Welcome sports fans to the hottest sports podcast in the game, JT and the Don, with your hosts, Jimmy Thompson and Donato Bucci. They're covering the most current issues in sports from the 305 to the 412 and all the way to the West Coast. You can follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at JT and the Don or email them at JT and the Don at gmail.com. Now take it away, guys. Welcome to the next episode of JT and the Don. I am the Don Donato Bucci. And remember to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and whatever platform you listen to all of your other favorite podcasts. And remember to please leave us a five-star review. We have a special guest once again with us today. But first, let me welcome in everyone's favorite, JT Jimmy Thompson. How are you feeling today? Feeling good, but I actually really didn't want to do this show because our guest is just going to embarrass us because he absolutely killed the the preview show for college football at the beginning of the season. So I feel like it's just a victory lap for him. And we're just going to give him his roses and just tell the world how great he is. But also this is why we have him as an expert. So it's bittersweet, but bring him in because the show is all about him anyway. It, it makes us feel good that we, that we talent recognizes talent. So I don't know if it's that, I think we just got lucky. He's the talent. <laughs> maybe, maybe it, it, we're live here from Studio 107 JT in, in Bethesda. So we have, as you mentioned, it's an honor to bring back in now JT, a five-time guest of the show, our college football expert, former star running back, and now Which special team. Yes, you got to see the highlights. I got to send it to you. And he, I mean, he's trucking guys over. It's like I'll start junior. <laughs> And now special teams and inside linebackers coach at Landon School, Coach Connor Cassidy. Welcome back to the show. I mean, it should feel like home by now, but thank you again for your time. How you been? I've been good. Thank you guys for having me. It's always great to be on. And great to see you guys and spend the time together. Same here. So looking forward to it. Same here. All right. So you guys ready to get started? Let's do it. All right. So I know... Basically, there's no way we can start this show without talking about Lincoln Riley. He's all the rage right now. So the day after Bedlam and losing to Oklahoma State, Lincoln Riley, of course, left for left Norman for USC. Well, listen to this, guys. The contract is rumored to be worth a total of one hundred and ten million. USC is buying both of his homes in Norman for five hundred thousand dollars over asking. That's insane. And they're buying him a six million dollar home in L.A. For him and providing him with Donato, this is like this, the holy grail. This you. is the kicker for me. Unlimited use of the private jet 24-7. Not just for recruiting, but for his family. So, basically, they just treated him like he's Bill Gates. I don't want to go to you first. I want to go to the legend himself. Always the expert first. Come on now. Do you think this is the right move by USC? So, yeah, I think it's a great move by USC, right? You get one of the best coaches in the industry. Uh, I think, what is it? It's Saban and then, like, a second tier with maybe Kirby like Smart Saban's on there. his own part of the pyramid. Don't you think, right? He's, <laughs> yeah, he's the goat. So, much. Saban, and then it's what? Kirby, Dabo, Jimbo, Dabo. Dabo, other guys who've won a championship, right? And I think even though Lincoln has not actually won a championship, I think he's right there in that tier. So you've got one of the best coaches in the industry. He's a great offensive mind. He's an innovator, uh, known for his QB development. He's experienced at a head coach at a top program in Oklahoma. 
Um, he's a really good recruiter and has had a ton of success recruiting out of the state of California. So for so many reasons, I think it's a great, great decision by USC to bring him in. Uh, can we first, can we first coaches who got paid and the fans? Can, can you, they, can you, can you first move him in closer? Because I feel like I'm there we go. There's, that's the, the beard. I want to see the beard. I don't I'm trying see, to you can talk off screen. I, I would love to coach. There we go. You know, coach is such a humble guy. He doesn't want to be seen on, on screen. Um, listen, the coaches who got paid and the fans who got their coach to the team that they like got to first give thanks and props to Mel Tucker in Michigan State. Because that Mel kind of – Mel what, set the, the market. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So, listen, I don't know if it's the right move by USC, but I'll say this. It's not the wrong one. Like, I, I'm not so, so sure he's going to have as much success at USC as he did at Oklahoma. So, I think there's a lot of expectations USC is going to have. I don't know if he can fill it, but – well, just, brings, just, just go with USC, though, because we're going to yeah, talk yeah, yeah. about if it's yep. the right move for yep. Lincoln. But, but this is why I'm saying I'm not so sure it's the right move. Um, but it brings the hype to USC, which is what for they've sure. needed. And it shows, most importantly, that USC can compete for recognition with the other blue bloods. Because let's face it, USC was a blue blood at one point, and they're, they're kind of falling away. Oklahoma is. And now they said, guess what? We just took a guy from you. And I think that's why it's the right move. Um, my concern, if I'm USC, is when does he go to the NFL? You know, if things don't quite go the way he expects in the first three years, kind of like Cliff Kingsbury at Texas Tech, and someone says, you know what, Lincoln, we want to bring you in. When does he leave? And listen, it's a lot of money for a private school. So if this doesn't work out, JT, we, we've gone through it in Miami. If this doesn't, we've never paid this much. If it doesn't work out in the first three, four years, like they're going to feel it. They're on the hook for this yeah. 110 million. And it goes to what you love to say. It'll become an albatross contract. Wow. I don't know if I use that word, but I think I know what you're trying to say. Um, I do think it's a good move for USC. I absolutely think it's the right move. Uh, you guys kind of already alluded to it. I mean, as far as like the coaching pyramid, I mean, can we agree that Lincoln Riley is probably the best offensive mind in college football? He's up there. One of them. Sure. One of them. He's, he's my I'll number one. I mean, every quarterback he coaches turns to gold. So all his systems are really explosive. And that's kind of where I think this is a good move by them because every quarterback recruit knows He'll make them either a Heisman or first round pick or both. So if you can get the quarterback recruits to come in, that means the skill guys are going to follow. So that's what we're used to seeing at USC. And we haven't seen it in a long time. Every recruit on offense is going to want to go there. And then also, I think it's the right move by USC because it's because he's there and all these guys want to follow him. It's easier to get guys to come to LA than it is to Norman. So I definitely think, USC made the right move. Now, for Lincoln Riley, you were kind of alluding to this already. Do you think this was the right move for him to leave Oklahoma for USC? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think he is in a win-win position, right? Like, he's in a great spot if he stays at Oklahoma. He's got a top program. Uh, and, you know, he's getting a sweet contract to move to L.A., where he can uh, be set up for success and, you know, compete for Pac-12 championships out there once he's got, you know, a year or two under his belt. And he's had, he had great success, like flipping some of these commits from California already since the announcement has been made. And with the transfer portal now, 
he can get guys in from Oklahoma or anywhere else to help him build USC right away. So I think like, you know, if, if it's good for him and his family, it's the, it's the right move. Oh, it's, it's absolutely great for him and his family. They, they're getting <laughs> yeah. homes, a jet. Fly around the world for free. Can't complain. Yeah. <laughs> like, not only did they give him $100 million, but they gave him houses, jets. Like, I mean, I don't even want to be Lincoln Riley. Can I just be, like, a son, a cousin or something? Like, just family member. use the jet. A family member. As long as you're a family member, it doesn't even need to be a close family member. Like a second like. cousin. Let's go. <laughs> Uh, all right, can we cut the niceness on this show? Because oh, we about I, to. I, I, I have a feeling we're going to agree I, on this, but go ahead. I want to go back real quick. The two things you said, and we can get into it later when we go over our uh, former picks. He doesn't always make the great quarterbacks as we've seen this past year, meaning Lincoln Riley, <clears throat> Spencer Rattler, and well, two Spencer Rattler had some questions what? about him prior. Yeah, he did. Not I according think, to some people on this show, well, and we'll get. No, I'm oh, talking we'll, about before he came to Oklahoma. Oh, we'll, I mean, we'll I thought the system it. would make him great, but he's not like, that good. Well, maybe maybe Lincoln Riley isn't the quarterback whisperer we think he is. And then two, you said it'll be easier to recruit to LA than Norman. Not so fast, because if that was true, Clay Helton would have been able to do that, and Lane Kiffin would have been able to do that, and neither of them did. But we can talk about that later if you want to go back to your ants to go back to your question right move by lincoln riley 111 million reasons why it's the right move right the 110 million dollar contract the two homes each over 500,000 of their market value and then a six million dollar la house yes it's the right move a private jet yes it's the right move like of course it is the only thing i'd be concerned if i was him he was so I think another reason is OU was going to the SEC, right? And he still hadn't won a title. He just lost to Oklahoma State. I think the hot seat was going to get warm on him. Stoops was able to last so long because of the 2000 title. You don't get a title, it doesn't buy you as many years. But the only thing is, I'm not as sold as others that it is um the actual best move for him outside of the money. And I was alluding to it. Um I don't think it's going to be as easy to recruit. It's an NFL city with two NFL teams, no on-campus stadium. The facilities are not near the top as the other teams. This reminds me of JT of Miami, Miami right? It's not as easy as people think. Like, oh, yeah, Lincoln Riley's name. Okay, but I guarantee but USC, you. USC, I will say the one thing that USC has over Miami, I don't know why, because recent success shouldn't have it this way, but. I mean, it is what it is. USC is just still sexy to people. Like when you say it, it's like, uh, mm. it it is, it is. Like when you say Miami, it's like, uh, okay, uh. whatever. USC, it's like, all right, I could, I can see myself going there. USC still sounds sexy to people. See, the problem is we're jaded by Miami. You don't think that that is the same with USC? Bro, and I can California tell by the people kids. that come here, Miami don't have weight when recruits are thinking about that. Okay, in USC hasn't either so why is it change with lincoln riley i'm i'm just saying i don't think it's going to be as easy as you think it is it's not a gift it's not a well, gift. you don't know what i think because i didn't tell you for lincoln riley but uh financially obviously it is a good move for him but i agree with you um on the non-financial side legacy wise i don't think this is a good move for him for a lot of the things that you that you mentioned one reason why i don't think it's going to be a good move for him is i i honestly don't understand why he left this job because Oklahoma and I've talked about this with Oklahoma fans I think me and you have talked about this before they have one of the most realistic fan bases in all the sports like they know who they are year to year and 
even when their teams underachieve, like they still love their players, they still love their coaches. Like, how how long was Stoops going downhill and they still loved him? Like he just retired. They didn't really fire him. And like Lincoln Riley got handed a well-oiled machine, didn't mess it up, but didn't exactly elevate them in terms of like wins and championships. And they still love him. So just like you said, he's getting a lot of money by USC. He has four years to turn it around. If he doesn't win in four years or, or has zero national titles, like they're going to be all over him and he's going to have to find a new job. Like, you can't go into a situation where USC is not making the college football playoff every year or they're not in one national title game. Like, they're not having that in that city, and he'll be gone really quick. I agree. That's a possibility for sure. All right. So you guys like Dan Orlovsky. I'm, he's okay to me, but <laughs> ESPN talking point. Uh, he said that USC uh, hiring Lincoln Riley is the biggest hire in college football since Nick Saban was hired at Bama. Agree or disagree on this? Well, I'm going to kind of dodge the question here for a second. Just no, it's a little too thing. early to make that hot of a take. No, but don't I do the Matrix like, thing. You're, 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 you're time will tell a little bit. You can tell the future. We want, you, we want, we want the expert opinion. I will set. I'm just setting it up. All right. Uh, and so then, like. One thing I think that makes this uh, decision, you know, significant is we're talking about like a head coach at a blue blood program moving, at, you know, to the position of head coach at another blue blood program. So the only comp is Jimbo Fisher, I guess, going from Florida State to AM. The other big hires that I think are worth considering are like coordinators promoted to head coach. And so I think about Dabo Swinney because he's won a national title and they were kind of, you know, he was kind of pulled out of nowhere, right? Position coach, wide receivers coach, promoted to head coach. And he's had a huge impact on the landscape of college football. But then I think the answer is like, what about Kirby Smart? Look at the year that Georgia's having. How is Georgia going to continue to compete in the East and for championships moving forward over the next five, 10, even further years? And like, as you guys are saying, it's not a guarantee that Lincoln Riley is going to have that same success at USC. And so I think like it's easy to right now say, oh yeah, I agree with Orlovsky, but it's also easy to say like 10 years down the road, what if Kirby Smart has three or four national titles and Lincoln is, is not even employed by USC. So I think like in, in a way, like I would have to disagree just based on, you know, uh, I'll take Kirby. That, that's a good point you bring up. I didn't think about some of the other coaches like Kirby Smart and, and Dabo being promoted. I think he meant more in the sense of immediate impact and like splash name. Right. And that's what happened when Saban <laughs> told the Dolphins he wasn't going anywhere. Literally next day is out the door to Alabama. Right. And I would agree with uh, Dan Orlovsky in the sense that it already has changed the college football landscape. And that's why and that's why I think it is the biggest hire since Saban. And it's in a different way than Saban. Saban is kind of the Kirby smart effect is what you're saying, that Saban went in, literally changed the, the whole power uh, dynamic of college football and that now Bama was going to be the standard every year. And it kind of pushed some of the other SEC teams to be better. But here, and, and basically brought Alabama back, but here – he changed the coaching landscape, and then it was a domino effect. Because if he never makes that move from Oklahoma to USC, I don't know if Brian Kelly goes to LSU. Obviously, now Oklahoma has an open position, blue blood, 
And on top of that, now Notre Dame's position is, is open. So I think that domino effect has shown that it is the biggest hire. And the other reason why is that maybe the powers to be like Oklahoma aren't as powerful as we think. And then two, this makes the Pac-12 relevant again. And then it could have the saving effect that, hey, Georgia got better. Ole Miss got better. Mississippi State got better. Oregon got better. (laughs) Maybe UCLA gets better. Maybe Arizona gets better. Maybe Washington bounces back. Be hard for Arizona to get worse. (laughs) (laughs) Touche. So that's why I think uh, Orlovsky is right. Yeah, I pretty much took it the same way you described it of, when he was hired, like, is this what the, what's the impact? To be honest with you, I think it's much bigger than Nick Saban because as as highly regarded as Saban was when he left the Dolphins to go to Bama, like nobody thought that in a million years he would turn out to be what he was, what he ended up being at Bama. Like, I think people are expecting Lincoln Riley to do that at USC, and and a lot for what you mentioned. Like, not only has it changed the landscape of you know coaching and the dominoes in that way. It's changing, you know, recruiting. Like, think about it. Like, when has a team been out West? And it's like, not only are they a threat to keep guys that have been coming East from out West, like Bryce Young's or, you know, Thibodeau's and uh, DJ Ulalele's, like those guys necessarily aren't leaving California now. Like, they're probably going to go to USC. So not only that, I think Lincoln Riley, the hype is big enough where the one thing that he can do that I don't, I haven't seen any coach been able to do is I think he can start stealing the skill guys from the South, which that would be, you want to talk about an impact hire. If they're keeping the, all the West coast guys that are big time and they're getting the skill guys from the South, preferably Florida consistently. Yeah. That is the biggest hire in college football history because nobody thought in the next 20 years, USC or, or school in California would be rivaling Bama, not only to just get recruits, but maybe be the best program in the country. So it's bigger to me than Saban because I think the expectations for Riley are much higher. So you did mention a good point. So Oklahoma, vacant. Apparently nobody wants to be the coach there. Like you said, they might not have as much power as we thought they had. Um, But they got to get a coach. So who should they hire to replace Riley? Well, I would look in they should conference. hire you guys, by the way. I'm, I'm going to put in my <laughs> vote before you talk. Honestly, y'all should hire the Landon staff. <laughs> JV team was amazing. So was the varsity. And I think some some people on this panel might have a reason to do with that. You know what I'm saying? Like, they got crazy good formations. Their kids play tough. It's a clean program. I think you should look at the Landon staff to replace Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma. But that's just me. But who do y'all think should be it? I would look in conference. And I think, like, uh, Aranda oh, would God, be a great choice. Uh, what's that? Oh, you know where we're going, going with this, with your boy. <laughs> well, no, that's where I am going to go. But I, I, if you, I can switch up and no, pick no, Aranda if ahead, you want. I actually thought Aranda was going to be uh, lured away by uh, LSU. Um, but anyway, I, I would go in conference, and I would choose between one of the guys who's had success in there, either Matt Campbell or Dave Aranda. Um, I think Matt Campbell's a good a good choice. Uh, he's proven to be a program builder. Uh, he's not as splashy of a hire. Obviously, they didn't live up to the hype and the expectation this year. Um, hmm. But if you're feeling jilted or jaded by the coach walking on you, 
Campbell has proven to be fairly loyal through like three or four hiring cycles here. And maybe he's the guy who's willing to stay in Lincoln for the long term. And he's been able to recruit to an even more difficult place. He knows the conference in and out. Um, you know, I think that I think that's a great pick right there. Well, you Campbell know, Campbell crush continues. You, yeah, you, I mean, you going to jump on the train, too? I can I can I can talk to Randa if you want. No, no. What I'm going to say is, you know, that's our guy. But I think for Oklahoma, there's a better pick, believe it or not. And I think that selection is Josh Heupel, right? He has that oh, connection. No. He has no. that connection. Listen, he has that connection to Oklahoma, right? He was a 2000 national champion. Stoops obviously likes him a lot. He can be a good mentor for him. And look at this. UF, UCF coach, he did pretty well following a legend himself, Scott Frost. And then he went to Tennessee. They're seven and five. I know that doesn't sound great for how bad Tennessee's been. This is his first year there, right? Seven and five, first year in the SEC. That's pretty good, JT. Like he helped in, in this. You talk about quarterback whisperers. He turned. Do I say the, it quite like that? <laughs> kind of. He turned the, the quarterback at Tennessee, who I believe was at Virginia Tech. Is it Herndon Hooker? He turned him around into a legit college QB, over 2,500 yards passing. You'll love this, JT. 26 touchdown passes, only oh, three. I love, I love it when they throw 26 touchdowns. It's just like just enough to, you know, to be fantasy. To wet the beak a little bit. To wet the beak a little bit. He knows three, me. I love that. I love that. I love 26 touchdowns. Only three interceptions. You talk about efficiency. You talk about a guy getting the best out of a quarterback. Mm. Heupel's the guy. That connection is there. You talk about being loyal. We're, he He's not going to leave. If he's winning and he can get a title in the next 10 years, He's not leaving. He's your next Bob Stoops. The scoreboard will let up also. Fun to watch. <laughs> there you yeah, go. I, there you go. I, you kind of sold me a little bit on Hypo, but I'm not buying it because I feel like if you go talk to any UCF fan that actually watches the games, they think the program has gotten worse, and, and he's one it, of the main reasons it's why. It's because the name came out of my mouth. That's the only reason. No, no, no. But, I mean, didn't think you were going there, but I'm going completely out of the box. And if I'm Oklahoma – I'm in panic mode because basically what this tells me is it's one or two things. Either they couldn't afford Lincoln Riley or people just don't want to be there long term. So if I, if if it's either one of those options, I'm breaking the glass in case of emergency. I'm just throwing all whatever reservations out the window, I'm going to Jacksonville, sitting down in Urban Meyer's office, giving him a blank check and tell them how much would it take you to leave Jacksonville. Because to me, that's the only person that can make them heal over losing Lincoln Riley. And I think he's the best candidate because he fits OU's image historically. Like, you remember how Norman used to be. Like, they don't care about the rules out there. Like, when they used to have Switzer and all those guys out there. So, you know, Urban Meyer doesn't care about rules. He only cares about winning. But all seriousness, <laughs> great system for college. That is all being serious, too, though. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but he has a great system for college. He's a great recruiter and he's never failed at a college stop. Bowling Green, Utah, Florida, Ohio State, like everywhere he's gone, he's been successful. He is the only guy that's out there as a candidate that's available that has the experience to win win the national championship, in my opinion. So he should be the guy that they're they're going after. I don't know how you do it because I don't know how committed he is to Jacksonville, but I'm damn sure taking the jet out there to find out what's the deal. But you just said it. They doesn't seem like they were willing to pay for Lincoln Riley. I said it could be one or the other. Like maybe Lincoln Riley's like the Cliff Kingsbury guy, where it's like, all right, I need to be in a bigger city. He's younger. 
but but side note, I don't know okay. if you guys heard this. Fair, Rumor is fair enough. Kingsbury is being considered for the Oklahoma job, but he's saying he's not leaving Arizona. So that could be why we're not hearing anything about them going after coaching candidates. But if Clint Kingsbury is not coming, I say just what do you got to lose? Go after Urban Meyer. Okay. That's fair enough. Fair enough. So we each had different opinions there. I like it. I, I thought those were all three candidates are really good for that spot. Now, um, Matt Campbell, not Dan Campbell, right? Coach Connor, is it is it Matt Campbell? Do you think they want to call Dan? Has Dan got a win yet? Dan's got him competitive. He's got a tie. He's got a tie yeah, from my tie, Steelers. <laughs> I don't think they're going to be calling Dan Campbell anytime they hung soon. They in there on Thanksgiving. <laughs> they did. They did. Um, so speaking of other coaches in the Midwest besides Dan Campbell, uh, Brian Kelly on Tuesday, he officially arrived in Baton Rouge as new head coach. Of the Tigers. You want to say one more time, Coach Connor, in, in memory of Coach O? Go Tigers. So as new head coach of LSU, Brian Kelly, previously at Notre Dame, and the school times all, all time in the school's all-time winningest head football coach, is said to have agreed to a 10-year contract with LSU worth $95 million plus incentives. Thank you, Mel Tucker, is what Brian Kelly is saying. So – uh, Coach Connor, first with you. Do you like the hire by LSU? I do like the hire. Uh, as I said earlier, I thought Aranda would be considered. Um, Billy Napier was getting, uh, you know, some attention there with that job. Uh, but uh, the AD at LSU was, you know, bound to make a splash hire as uh, as is his custom. Um, I think initially, like a little bit of a strange culture fit, um, but he's a proven winner and he's had success at every stop of the way. Um, he's a great recruiter and he clearly knows the game, knows how to build a program, develop talent. Like he checks all the boxes for what you're looking for in a head coach. Um, so I think it's, it's a great hire. Um, and you know, he's, he rebuilt Notre Dame over the course of a decade or more. Um, and so that's with more difficult recruiting restrictions with the academic piece and now he's got the support of, you know, the LSU boosters and administration. And, um, you know, it's, it's just an easier place to get in that top talent, rich in-state talent. Like, I, I think it's a good hire. JT, what do you think? Look, man, I know you're the expert and <laughs> I respect everything you say on this show. You, get, you give good insight. I usually learn a couple things every time you're on. But, yeah, we're not agreeing on this. I actually hate this hire. And, um do we have enough time to go through all this stuff I don't like about this hire? <laughs> the biggest thing no. I think is what I don't like about this hire is he's just not an SEC guy. And I think you guys know what I mean. Like, there's just some guys that, like a Jimbo Fisher, a Nick Saban, like Urban Meyer, like they fit into that SEC, that SEC uh, culture, kind of what you said, like culture. That matters. Like, you have to fit into that culture, not only just for the fan base, for the boosters, for the players. And the main reason why I don't like him as a fit is we talked about this all the time. Like every time I watch Notre Dame and Brian Kelly's on the sideline, all I see is him getting red as hell and him just yelling at some player for making a mistake. And it's like, that's not going to fly at, at LSU. Like Brian Kelly is more of a authoritarian, like disciplinary type guy. And I don't think he's very likable. Like you notice none of his coordinators that are really good candidates None of them followed him to LSU. They stayed behind at Notre Dame. So, and you look at the meeting that he did with the with the staff and players to let them know that he was leaving. It took all of what, like 10 minutes. So 
I don't think there was much love lost there. Not many, not many coaches are built for that environment at LSU and the SEC, and I don't think he's one of them. And also, I'm not even sure that he's like a great X and O guy, like from like a coaching standpoint. So that to me still remains to be seen. LSU to me should have went after a coach that makes their offense explosive. Like they need like a Joe Brady type guy. Like, do I know like he's he's an innovative offensive guy? Like with Brian Kelly, like to me, I'm not saying he's gonna be as bad as this person, but I look at this as like this is equivalent to like hiring Randy Shannon. Like these like LSU, they don't need somebody to be a father figure for them. Like, can you see, could you see him on the sideline yelling at Joe Burrow because he made a mistake? Like they're not going to go for that transfer portal, making sure that's not going to happen. And LSU, it's all about the football players. The players come first. The coaches are second. And I'm not sure that he's ready to take a back seat because at Notre Dame and at Cincinnati before he was the guy, he was the face of the program. And that's not how it works in the South. So I'm scared to do this, but I got to agree. I got to disagree with you, coach Connor. I'm not as sold now. While I'm going to agree with the general answer of JT, one thing I don't agree with JT is that it's his style in terms of how he treats the players because obviously the way Coach O was doing it, it was more about the players' talent in Joe Brady there than Coach O. Can we finally admit that? He got so oh, loose yeah, with the – I'm not going to argue with got, you on Coach O. Got, I mean, it's, it's a good separation. He, he got so loose with the program after he lost that influx of seniors and veteran players that this is exactly maybe what they need with the talented players is someone to whip them back in shape. Same thing happened at Miami with Larry Coker. Once that original crew left after winning a title – he, we never kept, recovered from that. We never recovered. He kept the same style and he couldn't keep the younger guys in line. So I think in that sense, I can't agree with you, JT. But but you don't think oh, he's a good hire. I do not think he is. And this okay. is why his style of play, while it fits the SEC, it's not going to win there because he never could do it at Notre Dame against Alabama. And you look at LSU, the reason why they won not because they were more physical and they just lined up and moved Alabama off the ball and Clemson off the ball. They had great talent with an offensive coordinator that said, you know what, we can do a little bit of that, but we're going to utilize. <laughs> exactly. We're going to utilize our talent and throw it around. Right? I mean, when, all fairness, when Les though, Miles was there, they won in, in, in Tuscaloosa back in 2011 and then got smoked in the title game. You, you can't beat Alabama consistently that way. You got to well, beat them without a quarterback. But you got to think outside the box. And I don't think Brian Kelly will be willing to get that far outside the box to be able to, to get creative to beat Alabama. And can he even recruit the South? That's what I was going to ask. Like, can, can he, he recruit, recruit the down South? There? I don't think he can. That's a he's, good question. He's got to compete with your guy, Kirby Smart in Georgia, Nick Saban. Hey, Jimbo, Texas is still down there. Longhorns are still going to get guys. Florida's going to yeah. Florida's going to bounce back. Florida State's going to bounce back. Oh, there's now Lane Kiffin in Ole Miss. Like it's and not so Heibel easy. At Tennessee, you just <laughs> talk them up. Yep. Hey, and Kentucky's got stoops. Like it's not so easy when you just got to worry about Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. The one thing I would say is that LSU is like the one program in the state of Louisiana, which is very talent rich. 
And so you look at other places, they've got, you know, multiple programs in state competing for the same guys, whereas LSU, it's all in Louisiana. It's all about LSU. If I don't like if I don't like you as a coach, I can easily go to Alabama. All right. So you guys don't like the hire. Who would you have picked? Hmm. I thought I thought they would go get Joe Brady. (laughs) I probably would have thought Joe Brady or or uh, at Bama or at Baylor, Dave Aranda. So I, I would have went with one of those two guys. He's he's the guy. They probably still have a lot of uh, connections with the actual players that are still there. To be honest with you, mine, I, I like Joe Brady because obviously that's a that's an obvious connection. But I really thought they should have went and got one of those guys in the NFL that's been passed up for a job, like a left witch or a B enemy. Mm. Like at least, you know, think about it. Mm. Maybe. Maybe that would have been a good one. So let's flip it. Was Did Brian Kelly make the right move, Coach Connor? I'd say, yeah, uh, but I would also say the same thing as I said about Lincoln Riley. He's in a perfect win-win position, right? Like you are the all-time winningest coach at Notre Dame. You've got the program humming. Um, you know, if you want to stay, great. If you want to go tackle a new challenge at mm-hmm. one of like the blue blood programs for $95 million over 10 years with incentives, great. Like a talent-rich state, um, you know, the most competitive conference, the most competitive division in the most competitive conference, right? Like the previous three head coaches at LSU have all won national championships. He that's the only box he has not checked in his hall of fame career. Why not go for it at a place like LSU? Okay. JT. I don't other than the money. I think this is not a good move by him because LSU and the SEC is about to get crowded with some additional programs, which is kind of the reason why maybe Lincoln Riley hightailed it out there to USC, but I think his road to a national championship at LSU, I think, just got a lot harder. One, he's got to beat Bama every year. And now Georgia, the best team on the planet. And now you're getting more teams in about another two years. So I hope the money was worth it because I think he had a better chance to continue to build at uh, Notre Dame. And I know I know LSU is talent rich because basically it's hard to fail there unless you're like Charlie Weiss or somebody. But it's – I just – I just don't see a scenario where like he goes down there and like beats Kirby smart beats Nick Saban, like, and then beats like Oklahoma when they join the sec, like, or beats Jimbo consistently. Like, I just don't see that happening because I just don't have that high opinion of him as a coach. I'm really worried now because I'm going to agree with JT again and go against our own coach Connor. Don't feel bad, man. I've been on a roll with this on the shows lately. (laughs) Like people have been flipping to my side. I like this. I like this new thing that's going on. It's just because you're going first. 90, (laughs) there's 95 million reasons why it's the right move, right? I mean, let's face it, goes goes back to the money. Now, if I was him, however, and I was in his shoes, I don't really know if I would go because money aside, I probably stay at Notre Dame. Believe it or not, this is funny to say, less pressure at Notre Dame because he's built up 10 years of credibility. And they're and, realistic about expectations. Yep. And they want to do the things the right way, academically, off the field. Like LSU sometimes, it can kind of be, you know. There might, there <laughs> might be some dice involved. But. <laughs> and then you're a legend there, right? So you're a legend there. Why ruin that by – going somewhere else and now people feel like you kind of stab them in the back and this is the other thing which is funny to say i think it's easier not easy but easier to have won a national title if it's if it's him who's trying to chase one at notre dame 
than LSU. Basically what you were saying, you've got Ole Miss now that's in the game. Jimbo's going to be there. A&M's always going to be in the game. Alabama, Auburn will bounce back. Florida's going to bounce back at some point. God forbid Josh Heupel ever gets Tennessee going. Texas and Oklahoma are coming into the SEC. Believe it or not, it's easier. You're one win away or a Cincinnati loss. Let from, those teams let those teams cannibalize themselves and you'll be the fourth team getting in every year. Yeah, because at Notre Dame is the name. If they had not scheduled Cincinnati and had scheduled a Miami, a um a, beat them too. a a Boston College and beaten them, like if Notre Dame had beaten them and been undefeated, They're since in. he goes undefeated, Notre Dame's going to go in automatically. So that's why I think it's an easier road. And this is the funny part. Notre Dame, though, couldn't compete with the money, didn't want to. And so it's uh, the right move. Maybe because they didn't, maybe they didn't think he was worth $95 million. And that's why it's the right move. You move on. I think the recruiting experts would contend that you can't get the top level talent at Notre Dame with the academic restrictions. And that is the biggest limiting factor. Uh, keeping them from that level, not like the competition in recruiting, but it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. It's a good point. It's it's basically an SEC version of Stanford. That's basically what they are. Mm. Well, several names were mentioned as a potential candidate of who Notre Dame might go after to make its new head coach. In the end, it looks like defensive coordinator Marcus Freeman is set to become their next head coach. Coach Connor, you like the move? I do like the move. Um, I think the obvious picks were going to be Luke Fickle, Matt Campbell. Um, but Marcus Freeman got a ton of support from the current team. Everyone was taking to Twitter to petition for his uh, stepping up. He's got a good background and pedigree. Uh, he's young and energetic. Seems like a great move. JT? So I'm – I'm going to split my answer on this for Freeman. I, I actually love the move. Um, I, is this, I think this is like the second black coach that has coached at Notre Dame, him and Ty Willingham. Mm-hmm. So definitely uh, like to see him get the opportunity as such a, a prestigious big time program. Um, and I think he has a legit shot to be successful there because I think they are a well oil machine at this point. And I think a lot of the guys that he's used to working with are going to stay intact with him. So um, that's good. But that being said, um, I don't. I, I honestly don't know who's the right fit for this program because Notre Dame is so tough to project. It's not. It's not like you said. It's not your average program. You know, there's all these different restrictions, like you know, like the educational requirements and stuff like that. So, really, that's like you could hire Urban Meyer to come in there, and it's like I don't know how he will do with you know those different set of guidelines that most coaches at other programs don't have to go through. So. I mean, it's it's my guess how anybody will do there. But if anybody is going to get a shot, I'm glad it's Freeman. If Urban's coming in, those guidelines are changed, right? <laughs> I mean, he's he's not coming in unless those guidelines we've been talking about academically, all that. It, it's Morally. changed. Yeah, more like the 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 bar has been lowered. If he's coming in, if not, he's not taking. Oh, don't the lower the bar for Urban. He's He'll not ta- there every night. He's not taking the job. Wow, wow. <laughs> um. I, listen, Marcus Freeman brings great energy, really good defensive coordinator. I think one day he can be a really good head coach in college football. Or who knows? Maybe in the NFL one day. But for Notre Dame right now, I don't like the move. It seems to me it's they took the easy, lazy way out. No national search. You're Notre Dame. 
You are Notre Dame. Did you call anybody else? Did Maybe you nobody ask, wanted that job. But see, you keep presuming things. Like, how does that happen in one day? You, you, you made that many calls in one day or maybe everyone turns you down. Maybe maybe the guy who, if it's not Freeman, maybe it's the guy, uh, was it fickle? I've I've heard him being linked to the job too, but I mean, they got a plan. I think Notre Dame has, but JT, you, you could have went after Matt Campbell, Luke fickle. You even said it yourself. You didn't even flirt with urban Meyer. Put it out there. Put it out there. And Notre Dame can't flirt with urban Meyer. Like you you said it, he showed, he shows up. That's no, that's no longer Notre Dame. (laughs) It's, It's something else. But I mean, hey, maybe PJ Fleck go row the boat there. He just signed a contract. He'll bail. He'll bail. We know that. But worst case, at least let Freeman then coach the bowl game and see what goes on. I mean, this sounds a maybe lot know, like maybe they know he's the real deal. JT, this sounds a lot again like Larry Coker. The the players want this guy. Players want that guy. And it's like the players are there one or two more years max, and they're out. So. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know. Something about the move doesn't quite sit right. I could be completely wrong. I do I think it's like, going to be really good. I first like you year, have reservations because it's not sexy. No, 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 no. I have reservations because he's a first-year young coach at Notre Dame. Do you know how much pressure that is? That's hard to be a first-time head coach anywhere, let alone Notre Dame. Come on yeah. now. I mean, I mean, guys have gone in there with much bigger and better pedigrees and resumes and failed because of the pressure. I'd rather be – but I, here's the thing. In, I, I keep I keep going back to this. Like it's I think it's significant that he's that he's a black coach taking this head coaching position. I'm much happy for him doing it here than somewhere like Texas because I feel like in those situations where 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 you're taking over a program where there haven't been a lot of black head coaches or any for that matter, you want to take that at a big program that I think at least the fan base and you know the school has their expectations in check. And I think Notre Dame is as good a place as any to do that. Like if he were going to Texas, I'd be like, no, like I hate this because I know what's going to happen. Like Texas is not a good program. He's going to lose. And in three years, they're going to chew him up. Like I think Notre Dame will give him time because he's one of their own. He's been there for a while. And I think people around that program believe in him and they like him. So I think it's, it's a great place for him to start his launching point on honest question. Oh, sorry. Go well, ahead, I coach. think the continuity piece you guys are talking about is key. Like, uh, and I know, you know, listening to the players is dicey, but with the transfer portal, that's also kind of like the lifeblood of your program these days and kids can Very just true. enter the portal and walk. And so I think it's a different dynamic and uh, you know, Tommy Reese is sticking around mm-hmm. the O coordinator. Yep. Um, so, you know, and we're talking about a top five program. Right. They're in a good position. But, but see, that's my concern. And, and JT, I, this is an honest question. Are we sure Notre Dame fans in the administration is realistic? Because this is the thing. Before Brian Kelly came, they were not always consistently good. And that's why they went through Bob Davey, Charlie Weiss, Ty Willingham, so on and so forth. But now Brian Kelly set that standard. You don't win nine games. You don't win 10. You don't get a new year six. Forget the playoffs. Can you survive three years of not doing that? And this is a young first year coach. I'm completely happy for him. But the question is the program. And you I'm think, just saying. You think, the, you think this might be a too big a moment for him because he's a first year coach. Correct. And we see it all the time. Like it had. And again, I'm a little jaded because of Manny Diaz, but Manny Diaz was not ready right away. He's had to learn on the job. The difference is He's still not ready. And that's my point. The difference is, though, you can buy your time at Miami. You can't do it at Notre Dame anymore because of Brian Kelly. We'll see.
right. So before we leave Notre Dame, this is almost a JT question, but this is actually mine. Bro, why, don't this... you just, why do you keep saying that? Just say, okay, look, like I enjoy those types of questions too. So I'm, I'm no, putting them in. I don't, I don't like to be the guy that overreacts. So that's those literally are... what you do. That's 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 <laughs> who he is in real life, everyone. So like when he's trying to make it seem like I'm this diva, like he's literally like king overreactor and everything. Does a move like this indicate that Notre Dame football is not an elite destination job anymore for head coaches? Coach? No. It does not. Uh, you were talking about a top five program and a blue blood in the sport. Just because they got a coordinator, just because they got a young guy, just because the search was quick and we didn't hear a lot of names of other people like Urban Meyer does not mean that it's not a blue blood. What about, you know what, what about the Brian you, Kelly move, though? Once, one second. I, I want to I feel like I was going to go another way. And I feel like what you just said kind of changed my mind. And I want to just go back to something really quick that you said in the last segment. Like, why can't you feel about I'm just saying, like, in this situation about them hiring a coordinator, like when Ohio State hired Ryan Day, like it's like they have not missed the beat at Ohio State. And like he said, it's a top five blue blood program. Like kids still want to go to Notre Dame. So like like I don't remember anybody saying like, oh, you know, like Notre Dame, like uh, Ohio State, like we're so worried it's going to fall into the ground. Like there was obviously going to be a little drop off with, with urban going away, but like, I don't remember this level of like worry, like when Ryan day took over, like, and I'll tell you, and I'll tell you two reasons. And that's why I would have wanted to see him coach in the bowl game. I know it's only one game, but two reasons you forget when urban Meyer was suspended, who became head coach. Okay. Ryan day. We know the answer by your silence. And two, you're talking, I'm not being rude. Ohio state. While their standards higher, they have better players. Their program is more stable. And what I'm saying is it was stable before Urban Meyer and before Brian Kelly, Notre Dame was not. And you just said it yourselves. You guys have been saying, oh, it's harder academically. And that's why he left. And, and it's you can't recruit and get the blue chippers to win titles anymore like the 1980s. Why that's my whole point. Talking like we're in, like, remember the Titans. <laughs> like, like, I'm Boone, you're Yost. Like, is that how it's going <laughs> Wow. No, not at all. Not at all. I'm just I just like laughing with you guys or kind of poking fun because you'll say one thing, but then to fit your narrative, you say another thing like, I don't know. I, I just don't agree with you just bringing up Ryan Day as the one. It's Ohio State. Right now, Manny Diaz but, could be there, and they still. Be all right, man, we're not wasting 10. time on Manny Diaz. Right. So you, you, you do think Notre Dame's still an elite destination? No, no that's my point. Is I was talking about I, him. Yeah. Oh, N- name. 12 better jobs, 10 better jobs. Is Van Dyke the quarterback at any of these jobs? <laughs> Let the guy play a whole season, and then you can talk about how You're so he... nervous because you J- want to be excited. <laughs> JT, what, what's your answer on this? Is, is, is the Brian Kelly leaving and then even the hiring? I was thinking more of the Brian Kelly leaving. Does that indicate it's not an elite job if someone's leaving for LSU? Well, I think that not only is it not an elite job, I think it hasn't been an elite job for a while, which is why they had to go get a Brian Kelly to coach there in the first place. Like as, as much history and pageantry as Notre Dame has had, like throughout the history of college football, like you literally can't tell college football history without Notre Dame. Like the fact that guys haven't been dying to go coach there, like with better pedigrees, like says exactly what's what, what answers the question. Like it's not like, it is a top five program with restrictions. Like we already talked about the education, like education first programs, like there's a ceiling. Stanford goes to the same thing. 
UM, we used to be good until we started trying to really put that first. So it's hard to win when you have those restrictions. One, location, like LSU, Alabama, or South Bend, you know, USC or South Bend. Like, I'm not, I'm not, even for the kids that like going to like small towns, like you've been to South Bend, Don, like what's more fun, going to South Bend or going to Gainesville? Like Going to like, South not, Beach? Going to South Beach? Exactly, like. I don't think Notre Dame has ever been a destination for the past 20 years for recruits. And I think that hurts them too. Um, but it's also, more about the job. It's more about the job, right? Yeah. But I, but I think that plays into it because recruits, it's not a destination for recruits. That's got to play on the mind of coaches too. And then one other thing, I think this is like a recent development. This could be me being like a conspiracy theorist type of person, but I do think what probably could affect them going forward is I'm pretty sure with all these, nil deals and you know players are going to get paid and like you know different companies can sponsor them going forward as that opens up like different companies will be throwing money at universities i'm pretty sure notre dame is going to have some restrictions on what kind of companies can sponsor players and sports and deals so i think that kind of caps them a little bit as far like what the players can earn and i'm pretty sure like that's what that, that gets talked about you know like hey if i'm urban meyer do i want to go to lsu where basically anybody can sponsor us. We can get, you know, Tootsies to sponsor us if we have to. And at Notre Dame, that's just not going to fly. Like, everything has to be kosher. So I think those three things are what's not making it an elite destination, no matter how attractive it may seem. Well, so let me let me throw out this rhetorical question. And JT, don't ruin it because it's a rhetorical question. In the 1980s. Yes. Would <laughs> would Jimmy Johnson have left the Miami Hurricanes to go coach LSU? Let's say money money was somewhat comparable. No, he wouldn't have. Okay, would Lou I, Holtz, you looked at me like you wanted an but, answer. You just told me would, the answer. <laughs> I said, don't ruin it. Would Lou Holtz have left Notre Dame to go to LSU somewhat similar money, even if LSU was paying a little bit more? I would say no, probably not. And so that's my point is Notre Dame has lost that stature that if money can be thrown one that Notre Dame doesn't want to throw anymore, it's not a destination job. And two, even if Notre Dame can't match it, but can get in the ballpark and a coach who's been there 10 years still leaves for LSU. Like nowadays we see LSU as great, but when Jerry DiNardo was there and in the eighties, I didn't see them contending for titles. Did you guys? I didn't. I always saw them losing in the SEC easily three games. That's why Jerry DiNardo eventually got fired. So to me, that's why it's not a destination elite job anymore. Yes, maybe it's still a top 12, top 15 job. But when I say elite, I mean like top six. You're leaving no matter where you're at to go like there. Like Notre Dame's not giving you a private jet for the family. Yeah, and that's part of why I don't think it's elite anymore. They're falling behind in the times going off of what Brian Kelly has built, in my opinion. That's all. It just doesn't look elite right now. All right. So we don't think it's elite. The expert, the genius himself says it's still got it's still got appeal. Well, I guess part of that has to do with like how you're defining elite. Um, but, you know, it, and in many ways, it's hard to argue that any program outside the SEC or what Ohio State is elite. Well, we thought we, I mean, well, we thought OC, it, it, we like, thought Oklahoma and now yeah. they left. So. Well, I guess I guess it's it'll, tough. Th this will probably be the better way to answer that question. Do you think Notre Dame is always going to be one of those programs where it's just 
even if they're down as a sleeping giant, somebody can go there and it could just blow up. Like, I'm not so sure that it's that type of program. I think they got lucky that they got Brian Kelly in there because I think he's good for that region. Mm -hmm. And he got a lot of kids to go there that probably wouldn't have gone there if he wasn't there. True. All good points. All right. You guys ready to talk about some rivalry games? Let's do it. All right. So let's discuss actual football with rivalry weekend this past Saturday. So, of course, everybody knows that Michigan and Jim Harbaugh finally beat Ohio State, and they did it in impressive fashion, to be honest with you. Also, another classic game in the Iron Bowl as Alabama came back to win in triple OT against Auburn. So first, let's start with the game. Were you surprised how Michigan dominated on both sides, offense and defensive line against Ohio State? You know, I guess maybe I was a little surprised, though. I don't think we should have been. Um, if you look at like the Ohio State against Penn State game up front, um, you know, Ohio State was not dominant. Oregon early in the season took it to Ohio State physically, especially in the run game. Um, and Michigan, like they're built well on both sides of the ball up front. And this is like an iconic Jim Harbaugh football team, smash mouth physical. Um, and, you know. They just outplayed him. See, that's why we bring you on the show, Coach. That analysis right there, that's why you're the expert. I didn't even watch those games. We, we, we can just close up shop right now. Yeah, um, we're done. Let's, let's cut on that. That's perfect. It was. I totally agree. Everything he just said, I agree with. Um, to answer, I, I was surprised, though, guys, because we've heard it. We've seen it before where, oh, this is the year. Harbaugh brings in Michigan. They're tough. Tough defensive line, big offensive line is going to push Ohio State finally around and in the Bosa brothers around. And then they get in there, they get in the horseshoe, they get in the big house, 62-39. You know, like a score like that. I mean, Ohio State, really good team, but Michigan was ready. I think this is the first time that I've seen in a long time, especially under Harbaugh, where Ohio State, I felt, went into this game resting on their laurels, right? based on all the history and listening to all the hype. And then it was like Michigan was like Hutchinson. And uh, those guys were finally like, you know what? We're sick of all this. We we've been preparing for this since last spring and they're tired of being disrespected. And the most impressive thing, and I'll end on this. They always had an answer to Ohio state. I think at one point they scored on five consecutive drives, touchdowns, right? So anytime Ohio state scored, bam, an answer. They had the punt. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna throw another six spot on you. So that was the most impressive. They didn't crumble this time. Yeah, I gotta agree with you. I was shocked just because I mean Ohio State has owned Michigan since Hallbar has been there. And like you said, it's not like they haven't had good defensive players before. Like they've had a lot of guys going the first, second round of drafts that have been there. Like shoot, Quiddy Pay was just there last year. He's a first round pick. Rashawn Gary was was there, the number one recruit in the country. Like he's a first round pick. Like these are guys that can play, you know. So I just thought, you know, I just thought this was Hobart's kryptonite and there was just, you know, no way he could ever do this. And I'm to be honest with you, I'm still shocked. I don't know. I don't know how this happened. I'm glad I didn't bet any money on it because I would have lost everything I owned because I definitely wouldn't have put it on Michigan. Ohio but, State was minus six and a half. Well, maybe getting rid of Don Brown was the best decision Harbaugh made um, that, that in the offseason. And just like rebuilding the whole staff, getting younger um, seems to have really, really paid off. A little, sure. bit, little bit more of that energy on the defense there with that defensive coordinator. They were flying around. They were. Uh, but during his post-game press conference, uh, Jim Harbar said, <sighs> I love this quote, he said, some people standing on third base think they hit a triple. 
Uh, obviously, that was a shot at Ohio State coach Ryan Day. But thoughts on this quote, guys? Uh, it's worth a chuckle. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I would have provided my opponent with that sort of bulletin board material personally, but uh, you know, he was clearly fired up and there was a lot of angst, you know, that's seven like, years of angst. Are you sure though? Cause I mean, that's like, if this team just dominated you since you got there and everybody's saying like, you're not, you're, you're not good at your profession because you can't beat this one team and you finally show them what's up. Well, what I was going to say was, are you sure you're not saying that quote about yourself, Jim Harbaugh, too? I mean, let, let's go through the history mm. books here. I, I'm not going to dispute that with Ryan Day. He but, took over but, Brady Hoke, didn't he? No, 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 no. Yeah, see, come no, but on, see, bro. But see, this is the difference. Let's go further back in time. You know, his dad was longtime football coach, 14 years at Western Kentucky, oh, you, you Western Kentucky okay. University, right? No, I'm not going to argue with you on it, that. Okay, so he was an unpaid NCAA certified assistant coach from 1994 to 2001. Hmm, how is that possible when you're an NFL quarterback during those years? He still did it, right? His dad, of course, is going to bring him on the staff. Your brother, NFL coach. And guess what, Jim Harbaugh? You played for Bo Schembechler at Michigan. I mean, talk about connections. Like, his comment was Say so unnecessary. Bo Schembechler? No, 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 the other one. Was so unnecessary? I'm confused. What word did I say? I've never seen him play stupid better than he's doing right now. What was ahead, the word? Continue. What was the word? The word is connections. That oh. is the word. That's the word for the rest of time. Connect. JT believes connections is is everything in football. That's why he's calling me out on it. That's but why we got him here. Connections. <laughs> that's, that's why we got Coach C. Yes, his comment was unnecessary. Like I understand what you were trying to say, but dude, like people can say that easily about about you i mean you failed at the 49ers yet still end up that still ended up at michigan because of he your connections at the 49ers come on at the end he did yeah but that's different all right uh, well, well i mean ryan day paid his dues why can't he just become ohio state head coach i guess when you put it like that you brought the man's whole life history into it uh, mm-hmm. i can't really that's i can't really watch argue what you with say. that because i thought you were gonna go literal since like like coach of Michigan versus Ryan Day at Ohio State. Technically, he's right. He was born on third because he took over Urban Meyer's program, <laughs> which is like any anytime Urban Meyer's at a program, like it's top three in talent. And you know that that's how it was when he was there. So in that lane, yes, but you took it a whole nother level. You're like, look, man, like you had all this success. So I can't argue with you on that one. So but J- JT, you're right. You're right. You're right. Before you. Thank you. I, I'm, right. hey, I'm glad right. this is recorded. Before we go to the your, your next question, though, can I give a shout out, though, to Jim Harbaugh? Because I found this out. He's giving away any bonus money he earns this, this year to the University of Michigan Athletic Department staffers who had pay cuts due to COVID. So, you know, that could be a lot. If he wins the Big Ten title now, he already has some for winning the uh, West Division, I believe. If he wins the Big Ten title, gets a playoff berth, and then maybe wins the national title, those are all bonus um, plateaus. So shout out to him for that. Though. Yeah, definitely shout out to him. Good job. Uh, let's shift to the Iron Bowl and specifically the first OT. So Alabama scored a touchdown on their first possession and kicked the extra point. Auburn then responded with a touchdown of their own and elected to tie the game with an extra point. Any issue with Auburn coach Brian Harson not going for two at the end of the first OT to end the game? I really want to hear what coach says here. This is this is the question I've been waiting. Sniffer. 
Well, I'm going to give you some coach speak. Thank you. Uh, Lowell Davis, former head coach at Landon in the Maryland State uh, Football Hall of Fame, likes to say that he is undefeated from the bleachers. And so we all, in uh, assessing this decision by Brian Harson, can remain undefeated in the bleachers. Um, but that being said, I'm fine with it. Like, Harson is going to make the decision in the moment that he thinks is best suited for his team to win this game. Maybe he feels like he outplayed a top team in the country over 48 minutes and, you know, gave up a, a strike with 24 seconds to go in the game, right? Um, and that, like, over the duration of overtime, he will be better than them go going forward, playing forward. And, you know, it's hard for me to sit there and be like, oh, he should have gone for two, right? Because the moment you go for two and fail, shouldn't he have just kicked the, kicked the extra point, right? You're going to get second-guessed on that decision either way. That's why you're the one, like, making that call. And it's not like he was making that in an island, right? Like, he's getting the input from his coordinators, and, that, and that's a decision that, you know, may have been made going into that decision see coach one thing you got to realize now you got to take your coach hat off you're in the analyst seat here you're in the expert seat that's our job now is to critique these guys and of course we're always going to be undefeated on this side of the mic but that's what we do right so we're allowed to do it so don't feel bad you wanted the coach <laughs> i like so, that too though. No, but i will I like I will that too down and i'll say i support the decision and again like going back to that idea like for the most part, we outplayed them for 60 minutes. I, I like my chances going in, you know, to a deeper, deeper overtime to prevail. I like the I'm at home, right? Like I've got the crowd yeah. on my side. Like everything is lining up for me to to win this. Like, let's put the pressure on them in the mm -hmm. overtime. I like the coach speak. So always bring that. Now, can I counter some of your points without being disrespectful? No, go, go ahead. So I have a big issue with it. I don't know if JT will agree, but you're the underdog in this one. I mean, it was like a 19 and a half point line. Like you're the underdog. If someone told you at the beginning of the game, hey, Brian Harson, beginning of the week, you're going to I'll give you a shot from the try line from the two and a half, whatever it exactly is for the win. You, like you don't got to worry about the rest of the game. If it comes down to that, will you take that opportunity or do you want to see how the whole game goes? I'm sure he would have said with the team he has, I'll try from the try line. So the other thing is you talked about home crowd. We outplayed them for 60 minutes, but the old momentum had shifted that 98 yard drive. Listen to this stat total plays. Alabama ran 89 Auburn 66. Your defense was tired. Did you really think you were going to keep them out? from the two-point conversion line consistently. And then you're, you have an injured quarterback. He couldn't hand off the ball anymore. He was They were literally running toss plays right and left. He couldn't even get out there. And one of the other things in the last point, I think the most important, he had the perfect play for the two-point conversion because they ran it at the end of the – Overtime three. At, at the end of overtime three. Yeah. So – I don't understand why you didn't use it then. You would have won. That was the perfect play call. It wasn't that it was in the third overtime or the first. It was just the right call based on the way that defense was playing. You had it. Trust that play. That's why you run that play in practice consistently for that moment. And maybe he didn't want to get called out his first year. I don't know.
I agree with you. I mean, all in all, what do you have to lose? Like nobody expected you to win this game, much less be in this situation where you're you're taking Bama to the brink in multiple overtime. So, yeah, I would say no risk it, no biscuit. Like like you said, you just pointed out the time of possession, plays run. Like you have the home crowd, but your defense is tired. Like give them a break. Like end this and get out of here as quickly as possible. So, yeah, I disagree. I totally agree with you. I definitely think you should have went for the jugular. So let's go to the segment I've been waiting for, the fun segment, all right? We're going to do a season review of predictions. JT and I are big, Coach Connor, and you know this, and I know you are as well. You're big on accountability, and especially with predictions, because it's easy to get behind the mic and start throwing, but then when you get called out for it, that's different now, and, and that's what we like to do. I'm just as guilty. So if you go back to Episode 9, you can hear all the predictions, all right? that the three of us made leading up to the 2021 college football season. So I went through guys wrote down all of our preseason picks and I'll mention some good ones and some bad ones. And, and we'll have, we'll have some laughs. All right. And, and feel free coach. See you. You're part of the family. Now the JT and Don podcast family. So we get to call you out a little bit and have fun. All right, please do. All right. So let's go first. We did overrated teams and this was a good one for us, JT. We each picked UNC. Coach Connor went with Penn State. I feel like we did a great job, JT, with picking UNC. So good job there. You, I don't say that too many times to you, so, so enjoy that. I'm not interrupting you, but I appreciate it. <laughs> if you want to say it again, you can. But of bad ones, speaking of bad ones, let's go to underrated teams. Oh, JT, you were way off. You had USC. You were glowing about them in that show. What do you got to say? uh slovis sucks <laughs> and um well i uh, i did say i did say uh drake was gonna be good i, I didn't put him officially but i don't know it's, it's a reason they wouldn't got uh, lincoln riley did not expect him to fall apart like that the, the path was there for them to be good but they just had less horses than i thought they did but that's yeah, for they, sure. they didn't have the quarterback situation figured out. And I think that was the biggest hindrance to them. That's for sure. So next topic, sleeper. Coach Connor. Not the gotta app. Gi- got to give you props. <laughs> yeah, sleeper, not the fantasy football app. <laughs> got to give you props here. I thought you had the best one. Army, who's eight and three. That's, that's a good call. That is a sleeper type pick. So good job. Thank you. I think I feel, like he said that. I feel like he said that record, like they'll get eight or nine wins. <laughs> I think he did. probably <laughs> he probably did. But hey, that's why we got him on the show, right? He's going to make those picks. And he has some other good ones coming up. I think we all can say this team likely to disappoint segment. Oof, this was brutal. It was either it was really, really good or really bad. Coach Connor, shout out again. This is why we got you on the show. We'll keep saying it until we're blue in the face. Your team, Indiana, great pick. I mean, totally disappointed. Everyone had high expectations and this and that. And once their record, they got like two or three wins. And they just fired their OC, I think. There you go. So you talk about how much more disappointing can you be? I don't know. Indiana, if you're listening to this show, he predicted your downfall. He can also be your savior. There you go. There you go. You guys on the right path. There you go. Now. JT, this is where we start to have fun because these picks were brutal. So I got to say that I went along with your team, JT, but I also went along with Coach Connors. So I don't take as much heat here. 
but both you and IJT said Georgia. We both said Georgia. And uh, it doesn't look like they're going to disappoint. I'll own that because (laughs) any other year except for this year, that would have been right. But hey, you know, broken clocks right (laughs) twice a day. So that was one one time. So that means it's going to happen again. So next year, I'm going to pick Georgia to be all everything positive. And they're going to let me down. But honestly, in retrospect, I go back and make that pick again because nobody saw, except for you, saw that Georgia would be this good this year. Meaning Coach Connor. Coach Connor. And we'll get to to him. Yes. I know. I know. I know. We'll get to his pick. But can, you kind of doubled up on this segment, though, JT. When Coach Connor was talking about Indiana, you said, ah, oh, DJ Matthews, serious weapon here. He got and, hurt. Hey, He got hurt early. And, and he didn't have a good season leading up to he that didn't have either. A season. He had 14 <laughs> catches in like five games. Not the kind of season you thought he, he had. Was, he was, honestly, when he was healthy, he was their best player, also best special teams player, and then okay. he got hurt. Okay, but, but yes, they had disappointed season all the way around. Speaking of individual players, you made worse predictions than that. Oh, so talk about yeah, no. top players. Talk about top players. <laughs> I thought for the most part, all three of us were consistently good, to be honest. We had, you know, the Thibodeaux in there. Um, each of us had him in there. You had uh, Ritter. You did have Justin Ross in there. Yeah, but he tried Jay, to warn you. <laughs> but Jay, I tried to warn you. You know, and I had Derek Stingley Jr. who had some injuries there. So maybe not the greatest pick there, but JT, you take the cake here. You said best QB in football. My top player in football, Spencer Rattler. Ah, man, that looks terrible. And you kept doubling up best QB in football. It not did not age well. It did not age well. Let's it say that at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'll take that one on the chin. I mean. And look, some people lost some serious money off of him not being good this year. Some people lost jobs as analysts. <laughs> Recruiting coordinators lost jobs. Like everybody that 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 analyzed this kid from high school to, to his Heisman campaign, somebody lost a job. So I'm just glad y'all allowed me to come back and keep my job on this show. And I didn't lose any money because that was – I didn't see that coming. I'm more shocked about that than the Georgia thing, to be honest with you. I mean, your name's first on the on the show, so we, you, you're not you going just anywhere. Call, you call it so. uh, CC in the dawn. You, <laughs> it's an initial. You can change it. <laughs> so, so under so under the radar players, Coach C, great job. Tyler Goodson, yeah, good year. Of, had a great year. I think over 1,100 rushing yards. Yeah, he really came through. So great pick again. We'll see how he does uh, coming up in a couple of nights. Yep, here. big game for him. And I know this is probably a Clemson player. I'm just trying to JT. Yep, you picked Joe Nagata. Nagata. Yep. That whole that whole team (laughs) sucked. 23 receptions, 438 receiving yards, and one touchdown. I'm sorry, but more than I thought he had to be honest. Yeah, I watched a couple Clemson games. I didn't even see him in there. So So shout out to Joe. That's improvement. He's still under the radar, by the way. So he's way way down there. (laughs) Breakout player. Listen, I didn't have many good picks beyond this. Uh, category, so this is where I'll toot my own. Oh, really, horn you gotta throw some of your bad ones out there. I, oh, they're, they're getting there. Don't worry, they're getting there. I'm saving it. I'm safe because I haven't been bad yet, but it's gonna get bad. So I'm gonna take the cake on this one. This is one that I think I hit pretty well. Charleston Rambo was my breakout player. He obviously sure. set a lot of Miami records. You guys went with quarterbacks. This is probably your last bad picks for the most part. JT, you got one more coming up. That's bad. But Coach Connor, you had Emory Jones, quarterback of Florida, as your breakout player. 
he's he's still not breaking that glass. He ain't even tapping it. And then JT, you had DJ Ugalalele of Clemson, and you doubled up on that pick saying, guys, he's a generational talent. He hasn't shown it, though. Not to yeah, say he can't get there. I was going to call him DJ Ugly until he started playing. Well. <laughs> wow. Like, it was terrible. Wow. DJ Dr. Pepper, more like uh, it. Terrible. All right. So top transfers. Um, JT, I didn't, I didn't hear you pick one, so I didn't have one down for you. Coach Connor, he struggled early, but I think he's turned it around at Notre Dame. Uh, Jack Cohn. Yeah, they've been rotating through there a little yeah. bit, and they've had the injuries. But, you know. Overall, he's helped him do yeah, a great year. Right, right, right. And then this is where I start to go bad. I picked Eric Gilbert. And if if you know, I believe he is going through some personal issues, but he hasn't played at all. He's not really with the team at Georgia right now. Um, so I was way off on that. Talent-wise, I still believe it's there, though. All right, so Heisman picks. <laughs> Coach Connor and I both, both had Brees Hall, which – not terrible. I mean, he had, I think, around 1,200, 1,100 yards, 20-some touchdowns. He had, he had the Iowa special. But, <laughs> but he didn't have, I think, what we were expecting because of the team. So I feel like the team let him down. Um, JT, your top pick was Spencer Rattler. So that, that was nowhere close. Now, this was the funny thing. Going look at our dark horses, wow, were we terrible. I had Slovis as my dark horse. Terrible. Coach Connor had Bijan Robinson early on looked great. Like that could possibly, he could sneak in there if they had won that Oklahoma game. But then JT, I'm sorry to say, man, you had De'Ara King as your dark horse. Yeah, he just turned you, into a horse. You, you fell on that Miami sword hard, and we'll get to that. All right, so we went power five champs in college football predictions. So, so looking real quick at just some of the notable ones, Big 12, Coach Connor, we were so high on Iowa State that yeah. we look like fools now, unfortunately. Yeah. So we went with Iowa State there. It was not so great. JT in the Pac-12, you and I, we look like bigger fools. USC, give props to Coach Cassidy because he said, Oregon. don't sleep on the, the North. Pac-12 North. And we slept on them. And Oregon still in the race. That's who Coach Connor picked. Uh, SEC. Coach Connor, you, you hit it out of the ballpark. Georgia, Based. all right. Um, now, this is the funny part, JT. We both picked Alabama, which I guess technically we're not yeah, out of the they're, race. They're still alive. But this is the thing But you kept saying, JT, was that, like, LSU is going to contend and Bama is going to have a down year. I, I, I don't know, 11-1. and one. If that's a down year, sign me up. Certainly, but they had to claw their way to get there. Mm -hmm. True. Not as it easy. It wasn't a cakewalk but, as it has But been. does it mean it's a down year or it's just a tougher no, 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 year? No, no, no. Yes, yes. Okay. Um, and then finally, ACC, guys, we, we did not we do well. Clean, yep, clean sweep. We all took Clemson, and uh, we're eating our words there. Now, I know JT's been waiting for this college football playoff prediction. I had really two bad ones. I had Wisconsin and USC. I, I kind of – fell on that sword too or died on that hill with USC but JT you had USC as well and then this is where you guys really did great coach Connor Georgia you got them in the top four they're probably going to make it great call there JT you may have one of the best predictions we've ever had on the show in Cincinnati in the playoffs you're one win away okay you're JT. one win away but we so, eating them 
<laughs> I believed in Ritter. <laughs> so you keep pulling for them. Now, this is the funny part. We talk about dark horses. I had UCLA. That was terrible. Oh, this is bad. Coach Connor, you had Iowa. They're still they're still they're still well, I mean, they're not I don't know in. if they're alive, but they hung tough. Yeah. Like they weren't as funny of a prediction looking back as maybe some people who would have were listening. But that's why you're our expert. JT, I'm sorry, man. You went with Florida and then you went again with the Miami Hurricanes. And after the first quarter against Alabama of the first game, we knew that pick. Was oh, I was on a plane, hold. and by the time I landed, I knew that pick was over. <laughs> <laughs> like, it wasn't even second quarter yet, and I was like, is this the score of the game? Like, what's going on? <laughs> All right, so. That let's... was fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, I think I think that I think that was fun, and I, and I liked it. It was good to go. Honestly, honestly sh- sorry to cut you off. Shout out to you, Coach Connor, though. Like, the, I feel like the Georgia, like how hard you went for Georgia in the preseason show, like out outweighs like anything that we predicted that we got lucky on because it t- it took guts to go against like so much year after year of data of like seeing like Georgia, like no matter how good they are disappointing, you're like, no, this is going to be the year. And it's yeah. like this. It's unbelievable how good they are this year. So I don't think anybody in the industry probably was as bullish on Georgia as you were. So definitely shout out to you. And that's, that's right there. What's what makes you an expert. Yep. Well, you guys are kind. Thank that, you. That's why we keep bringing them back on, but I'm, you know, looking at the totality of it, we weren't that, that terrible. Yes, no, we oh, had, we had some, well, not necessarily because you made up with it with Cincinnati. I mean, and you we know, were missing it, on the tougher questions, like the dark horse, right? The I hit a Robert Orr yeah. shot with that. Yeah. Other than that, yeah, it was some bad the ones. Sleeper picks, <laughs> yeah, like. the sleeper picks, the dark horses. That's really, really where we messed up. Really, the only one that got you in trouble, JT, was Spencer Rattler. But that was everybody. That was Vegas had him at the top. Like, yeah. you, how could you not pick him? Also, right? what's interesting is like there, it hasn't been like that compelling of a Heisman race. Yeah. Like, like who's going? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, Bryce Young, Bryce Young, that 98 yard drive saved him yeah. because had they lost that game, he's out. He's yeah. out. And it may be down the Kenny Pickett in Matt Cor- uh, Coral. And no one saw that. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's speed up the show. It's, it's, it's my fault on, on some of this conference championship game predictions. Again, this is one of the best segments. So we usually save it for the end. So the show's not over yet. But let's get into this because it's going to shape how the college football playoff predictions look so friday night oregon versus utah coach connor who you got utah i think they're a little more physical and they're healthy jt this is always a special game does wow you know what i'm going on the oregon train because i think crystal ball's staying and you hope he's no way crystal ball is going to allow his team to be physically manhandled two times in one season can't can't happen can't happen. Ball staying, but Joe Moorhead might be going to Akron. And when they did not have Joe Moorhead earlier in the year, it did not look pretty. That is true. But did it look pretty against Utah the first time around? So, hey, <laughs> you never know. Never you never know. know. Um, and I'm writing these down. So, Baylor versus Oklahoma State, Big 12 championship game. Coach Connor, who you got? Oklahoma State. Uh, Baylor QB's banged up. Uh, and, you know, against the stout Oklahoma State D, I think that's going to cause them to have some problems. JT, I'm actually going to go with Baylor. It's tough coming off those emotional games like that. So well I said. think they're going to be drained. I, I'm going to agree with you. I, I see Oklahoma State having a letdown here. And really, they probably should have lost to Oklahoma. 
I, I didn't think they outplayed them that much to be like, oh, this is Baylor's good. Don't sleep on the Baylor Bears. No Don't sleep on the Bears. No doubt. All right. App State versus Louisiana. Coach Connor, who you got? Louisiana, the home field advantage. Okay. JT? App, App State for personal reasons. <laughs> Respect that. I'm going to go App State because Louisiana, even though we didn't talk about it, just lost Billy, Billy Napier, Napier but he's coaching. to Florida. Yep. He is coaching in this game? Yep. All right. Sometimes that doesn't always help, nope, though. That, we'll that, see how the players that, react. Uh, here's the big one. Should we just lock you in? Georgia sure. versus Alabama. Sure. You, yeah. you got to stick with Georgia. 100%. All right. Okay. You guys are, too. JT, who you got? Bama. Because he's hard-headed. No, as much as I want to give you credit for predicting this great Georgia run, this is on brand for Georgia to lose this game. <laughs> Way, they're I'm, way too good up front. I'm going to go with Georgia, and this is why. We saw Oklahoma State get over the hump against Oklahoma. We saw Michigan do it. It's Georgia's turn. It's Saban's Georgia's like turn. The last guy and, you've defeated all, all, the, all the barriers. <laughs> yeah, and Bama has a lot of injuries. Brian Robinson, the running back, their center, Dow Court, their cornerback, Jalen Armour Davis, all day-to-day, JT, not guaranteed they play. Those are three starters that are key to Alabama. So – uh, Houston versus Cincinnati is a big one, Coach Connor. So Houston's been hot. They haven't lost since week one at Texas Tech, I believe. Um, but I think Cincinnati's too talented. There's too much on the line. They're not going to lose their focus. I'm going with the Bearcats. JT, I, I can pencil pencil you in for Cincinnati, right? You can't yeah, it's change too hard at this to go point. against them. Fickle and, and Ritter are just so locked in, it's over. Like, I'm going to a wrap. Yep, I'm going to go with Cincinnati for our guy. Uh, Kendall Calhoun, Coach Kendall Calhoun, um, Cincinnati guy. I'm picking him just for just for him, Cincinnati. Michigan versus Iowa. Coach Connor, I know you're going to love watching this game. Yeah, so these two are going to try to bludgeon one another. Uh, it's going to be so much fun to watch. But Iowa State has relied on special teams plays and turning the ball over with their secondary. Michigan's not going to put the, the ball in the air enough to allow Iowa to make those plays, and they'll just be better um, – through the duration, so I'm going with the Wolverines. Ooh, okay, JT? I wanted to go against Michigan because you talk about the letdown games. I think they're actually dialed in. I think this is one of those rare cases where you have an emotional game like that. I think for them, beating Ohio State gives them the confidence to probably finish out the season and make the playoffs, so they win this game. I'm going to go with your team, Coach Connor. I'm going Iowa. I, I think, again, the letdown. There's too much energy involved there where when it's not your final game, it's now hard to get ready for. If this was Wisconsin, I could understand. Iowa, I think they're going to think, ah, we're better than that. And when you don't get mentally prepared for this game, Iowa's going to try to punch you in the mouth. No doubt. And you said it, Tyler Goodson, maybe, is he better than Kenneth Walker? I don't know. It's interesting. Kenneth Walker had a good day against Michigan, yeah. did he not? Yeah, he did. All right. And then the ACC title game. Pitt versus Wake Forest. Who you got, Coach Connor? Since we're giving so many shout-outs, Coach Harley would call this one a boat race. I would take the over. I don't know what it is, but Pitt wins in the shootout. Uh, Shout-out to our guy, Coach Coach Harley. Been on the show. JT? Going with Kenny P in his last ACC game. You got to go out with a win, Pitt. Yep, I'm, I'm going Pitt. Grew up there. Got to go Pitt. They, they get that ACC title. All right. 
predictions are not quite done yet, but we'll get back to those. Uh, past few weeks, College Football Committee has gathered to provide their top 25 list of college football playoff rankings um, on Tuesday nights. So heading into this weekend's conference championship games that we went through, the top six schools are from numbers one through six, Georgia, Michigan, Alabama, Cincinnati, and then Oklahoma State and Notre Dame. Then with Ohio State, Ole Miss, Baylor, and Oregon rounding out the top 10. So Coach Connor, first, quick initial thoughts on those rankings. Look good. That's why he's yeah. the man, JT. Yeah. Yeah, I think top four no-brainers. Only issue I have is I don't I just don't think Oregon's a top ten team. That's mm. just my only only uh gripe with it. Okay. Well, they can prove it. They can prove it Friday night, right? Again. Um, okay. <laughs> did you guys not think though it was interesting to see Oklahoma jumping Notre Dame? I mean, Notre Dame took care of business against Stanford. Oklahoma State. Yeah. Notre Dame. Were they not in front of them? The week before. Now, Oklahoma State so bad this year. Uh, Oklahoma's a quality win. The committee likes to – it seems like the committee likes to reward the quality wins. I agree, but then that could change week to week. How uh, you got to be consistent somewhere. And that's why those teams in front of them better be careful. <laughs> and how about this? Still no love, guys, for the ACC? I mean, come on. You got Pitt and Wake. They're not even top 15. You have Utah in there at 14. Nine and, us. That was the end but of it. it but it doesn't matter. They've got two losses. Wake's got one or one loss to Clemson. I mean, you've got Utah nine and three. They're ranked 14th, JT, and they're in the Pac-12. You got BYU and Independent, two two losses. They're at number 12. I, I mean, Pitt and Wake aren't even in the top 15. Come on, they, they can't be that much far behind BYU at number 12. Come on, just inconsistent. That's what I don't like about them. All right, so. Can Oklahoma State, we're going to talk about some scenarios. Can Oklahoma State jump Cincinnati, presuming both teams win in the conference championship game? So can Oklahoma State jump Cincinnati in the final rankings next week? Coach Connor? I mean, anything can happen, which is kind of the crazy thing. But I I, I think, and what I, when I say that, I mean, like, who knows what this committee is going to do, right? Um, but I do think that beating Baylor would be a quality win more so than uh, beating Houston. And so, yeah, it's possible. Okay. JT? Well, 100%, because I feel like the committee doesn't seem sold on Cincy, and I feel like they're in the top four just by default, like as <laughs> like a formality. I feel like they see them as a little bit of a better version of that undefeated UCF team. Like, uh, we're not ready to let you crash the party, but if since he's not since he has so much like national hype right now, if you don't put them in the top four, then like people are gonna like, come for the throat of this committee. So I do think they're looking for a team to jump them and replace them in the top four. I actually think Oklahoma State can jump them. Um, I mean, they jumped Notre Dame last week, and again, Notre Dame, yes, didn't play a Houston type team, they played Stanford, but when you've got Utah. In Oregon, two Pac-12 teams in the top 12. Stanford's part of that Pac-12. Maybe part of the reason why they don't have a great record is they got to play teams like that. And in it, not taking away from Cincinnati, right? I, I think we're all on board with how good of a team they are. I'm just saying in the committee's eyes, I can see it happen because they're setting it up so that they can jump Cincinnati. Because if not, JT, after that type of performance Bama had, they should be number four. They should be number four. And instead, since he is... And that's why I think they're setting it up to say, hey, since he was only number four, it's possible for an Oklahoma State at number five to but easily jump they, that They team. don't want to ever drop Bama that low, especially when Georgia is this good, because they know it's going to come down to this this matchup. And they you can't 
you can't have them at number four and then they lose a George and then they're still in the top four. And, but that's my whole point. It's all part of their grand scheme. All oh, yeah, part of their SEC grand bias. scheme. There's no way around that. So speaking of Bama, JT, I'm glad you brought that, that uh, scenario up. Does a two-loss Bama stay in the top four over Notre Dame and Cincinnati if, listen to this scenario, if Alabama loses to Georgia, Cincinnati loses and has one loss, but Oklahoma State wins. So at that point – What's going on since- out west? Utah, Oregon. Well, matters. Oregon got two losses, so yeah. so they're out. They're out, right? Oh, Bama's in. But like, so a, a two-loss Oregon champion gets beaten out by a two-loss Alabama who couldn't even win their division against Georgia. What, who's what well, Bama won their division. No, oh, okay, that's fair. But, but couldn't win their their conference. their conference. And Oregon has a win over Ohio State, which just got me. Oregon's far <laughs> back on this list. Oregon's far back. I mean, they're behind Notre Dame right now. It's just one win against Utah jump. So if if Bama's second loss is to Georgia, it does that's basically a that's basically a tie. So they're gonna let them in off of that. See, I think it depends on how Bama looks against Georgia and how Cincy looks. But when I say that, then I'm like, you know what? No, even if Bama loses a close one to Georgia and Cincy, especially then if Cincy looks bad, I think Notre Dame gets in. I, I don't see how Bama. With two losses, I think what would happen is Oklahoma State and Notre Dame get in. Bama with two losses, because they look so bad against Auburn, is out. If they had destroyed Auburn, does Michigan jump them to two? I don't think, even with the Ohio State win. If if Bama went in there and won 49-16 against Auburn, I don't think Bama drops. I think that loss hurts. They're, they're crediting teams with good wins, and that is not a good win. That's a bad win by Alabama against right, Auburn. Right. So I think that's why Notre Dame gets in. Well, I sure hope they don't like make their way in there with two losses. I, I, think, it's highly, I think it's highly possible. because Because you got to show me a team that's on the bubble that the committee is sold on, not just from the wins perspective, but from, from optics. You know, like Alabama – as much as we said it was going to be a down year for them, I think that was like consensus across like like the landscape of people covering college football. And like they only have one loss. And sometimes they have looked more dominant than I thought they would this year. So in the committee's mind, I think they, they're saying basically Alabama, don't mess this up. We want to let you guys in. And the fact that Georgia is so good, this, this is what we want. We want you guys both in there. So I, I, don't, I don't see how teams with one loss – are getting in over a two-loss Bama when the second loss is going to be to Georgia. I would maybe agree, but let me throw this question out to you. A lot of these are just off the cuff now, so I'm sorry if your notes are not prepared. Bama loses to Georgia. You're right. But, JT, with two losses, how do you put them at number four? Because you can't put them at two or three. So you're going to tell me Georgia got to play them again now in the the first round? See, I don't think the committee would ever do that because then it it lessens the conference championship. I agree. And they're always big about, oh, conference championship first. Bro, it's going to be very hard to kick Bama. A two-loss two Bama and undefeated Georgia when the second loss is to Georgia out of the playoff. But I, not but not I don't when, think the, I don't think the committee JT, has that kind of Cincinnati guess. will be undefeated. Yeah. Oklahoma State's got to win. I, JT, they're already at number three. They can't lose, and you keep them at three if Michigan and Cincy take care of business. Yeah. Cincy got to jump them. And then how do you put them at four? Stranger things have happened. I agree. I don't trust. But, the, I don't trust. I agree, the but they, they would, show me something but, different. I agree, but they would avoid that at all costs because it it would it would just crush everything. It it would really crush everything. Um, 
All right. So, Coach Connor, I want to start with you on this one because it's your team. Is Georgia a guaranteed lock to make the playoffs, even if they lose against Bama? Unless they get just destroyed, they're in. Okay. I, I agree. I agree because they're clearly the best team in the country. So one loss, that's not eliminating, eliminating them from four potential spots. What if they get blown out? You still think it's a lot? Oh, yeah, for sure. They're still in. Okay. All right. So this is the moneymaker. This is why we bring Coach Connor on. This is why JT has the high salary from the show. Coach Connor, you go first. All right. What is your final prediction of the top four teams in the college football rankings after this weekend? Yeah, so based on my picks in the championship games, we've got Georgia, Michigan, Oklahoma State, and Cincinnati. Ooh, that's a fun one. That's a fun one. A little bit of some football, some basketball and grass, or no? You don't see uh, that there with Cincy, no, no, Oklahoma they, State? They, they play good defense. Georgia. Okay. They play good defense. Okay. JT, who's your four? Until I see something different, I'm keeping it simple. Bama, Georgia, Cincy, Michigan. Well, what's the order? Can you rank them then? Uh, I'll go Georgia. I'll go Georgia. Um, actually, he's gonna. Ha- well, he's he's gonna. He, you've got Bama beating so, Georgia, so, so you gotta so think Michi- about it. So Michigan number one because I picked them to win. I got uh, Georgia number two because I got Bama beating them. So obviously that slides Bama up to number three, and then I got Cincy at number four. So Georgia Bama got to face each other again. I think the committee would avoid that. I think I think Georgia would maybe drop the four in that situation. Bama maybe. Bama's already three would move the two since he would move the three. Michigan at number one. Yeah, I th- I think Bama. I'm really counting on Bama to win this game. So I think that's that's what keeps those two in the playoffs. Okay, I'm counting on Georgia to win convincingly. <laughs> I, I learned my lesson not to go against you, but I'll, I got to live dangerously one more time. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to live real dangerously. I feel bad because I feel like this is going to be a hot if take. If you put Oregon in here, I'm walking off the set. <laughs> um, I think what happens based on my predictions, Oklahoma State loses. You've got with them losing, then you're going to have Georgia one. I think Michigan loses. So since he moves to two, Alabama, even with the loss, is going to stay at three. And then Notre Dame sneaks in at four. Wow. Even though what I was saying the whole time about Alabama, two losses can't get in. I think they somehow get in because Oklahoma State loses, Michigan loses, Oregon's not jumping Alabama. And your Notre Dame non-blue bloods and my, back yeah. their way into the playoff. And you know With what? No would be Brian good? Kelly coaching the bowl game. That would be the that would be the best part. Just so Brian Kelly doesn't get the satisfaction, like like I left that losers. move. Yep. Yep. And at that point, listen, Marcus Freeman can prove me wrong. Then if he goes in and wins just that first game, you know what? Marcus Freeman, give him a ten-year, ninety-five. So if he million makes the playoffs contract. and win, wins one playoff game, you're all sold. That's all you need. Ten years, ninety-five million, just to just to kind of rub it in Brian Kelly's face. Uh, okay, I'm glad you're not in charge of the Hurricanes budget because you just be throwing it at any fluky game. <laughs> you guys can go in there and win a game. Oh, ten years, ninety-five million dollars a piece, guaranteed, guaranteed. guaranteed. Coach Connor, we don't want to keep you any long. Is there anything else you want to no. say? I mean, now's the chance. It's just so much fun to be on and like a awesome slate of games to look forward to. Yeah. So enjoy watching them. This is the most excited for championship Saturday I've been in a long time. Not only great games, but 
literally like the Cincy game, huge impact, the Big 12 game, huge impact. Even the Pac-12 could eventually be a huge impact, even though I don't think it it will end up being. But depending on what happens Saturday, that Oregon win could be really big. So I will say also I'm very excited for next year because I feel like you just consistently been demolishing us on this show preseason. So I'm really going into my bag next year and it's it's going to turn into a like stomp stump the swami situation. So I'm ready. I'm looking at it the other way, JT. JT, after he makes the we're going to do this in advance of the college football season and then you and I JT, we're going to hop on a flight to Vegas and <laughs> oh, put, yeah, the, put all put the, the money put down. the bets yeah. down, put the bets down. And listen, he hits more than he doesn't hit, so we're we're gonna be on top. So don't we're worry. We're gonna be up. So we're gonna be up. That's right. We're gonna be up. Anything else? No, no. Nah, this was I'm a great show. Myself enough on this show. <laughs> this, was, this, this was a great show. We don't want to keep you anymore, Coach Connor. Thank you as always for coming on. Great insight. A lot of fun. It's been an honor, man. So thank you very much again, JT. Great episode as always. And to the fans and listeners out there, thank you as always for listening. We couldn't do it, nor would we want to do it without you guys. And remember to please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and whatever platform you listen to all of your other favorite podcasts. And remember, if you like what we do, leave us a five-star review. And JT, if you don't like what we do, leave us a five-star review. And remember to please also follow us on social media, our handle, JT and the Don. We can be found on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So... JT, enjoy the games this weekend and great job into the next episode. See ya. Peace.